Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Good to see everybody this morning. Uh, just in case you're new, my name's Braden. I'm the uh, lead pastor here at Renew Life Church. Keith and Natalie, obviously your campus pastors. Can we give your campus pastors a round of applause? Love it. Uh, just a quick testimony. I, I was loving that Keith was sharing just kind of why we do what we do. Um, we, call, like I said, we call it ministry time. It's really just, Lord, if this is what you want to do in the church, if, we, if you want to see things happen that we uh, obviously want to partner with, we got to create space for that. And so we started doing that, creating space for the Lord. Just to, Sometimes it's prophecy, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, healing. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we were just about to send my oldest daughter off. Just a quick testimony of how this has actually gotten into our kids uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were getting ready to send our oldest daughter off to school at Colorado Christian University, and she had been dealing with some pretty serious uh, feet issues. In fact, we've been planning uh, off-season off surgery uh, after this because she's in so much pain uh, in her feet. And so I was scheduled to preach in our Midland church, and uh, she called me. She goes, Dad, she goes, you're not going to be at church today. We have to pray for my feet. She's like, I, I, can't, I can't do this. We have to pray for my feet before I go back. And so uh, I called my mom and I said, um, hey, would you be sure and pick up Susanna and get a group of people around at church, in this church on Sunday, because this was going to be her last Sunday here before we took her to Denver. And uh, so a group of people came and prayed for her. And this is no joke. I mean, we, she's had intense pain in tears after every practice, has not had one ounce of pain since she got back to college. And... Um, and it just, it's just, what I love is, um, you know, I didn't initiate that. She initiated that. She has seen what we do here. She, it's not, that's part of parenting. It's not just that your kids obey you. It's they actually start to believe you. <laughs> we, when they're little, yes, we want them to, to, to behave a certain way and, and do what we ask them to do. But we need them to understand that the reason we're asking you to do things a certain way is because this is the way of life. And I need what I'm telling you to do but to, to, come, to become a belief system in you where it's your faith, not my faith, your honor for the things of God. And so uh, just an incredible testimony for me. Uh, not that it's that big of a deal, but she was named a starter as a freshman yesterday, but it's not that big of a deal. Um, we, seriously, we, uh, I, I really do attribute that to a lot of the fact that she's been able to pay, play pain-free over the last few weeks during two-a-days because she was really concerned about uh, two-a-days. They were hurting her so bad when they were doing one practice a day, and I think just that fear of, like, two-a-days is just going to be more than I can deal with and not one ounce of pain. She's planned her best, and so uh, just absolutely, absolutely love that. But uh, anyway, we'll jump right in. I got a, a ton of stuff to cover. I, uh, I'm going to teach maybe a bit of a, a unique message. Oh, a quick announcement, just so you kind of know. I, I was able to announce this in our Midland campus. I think, Keith, you said something. No, Leanne did start service. Last week, we celebrated our, uh, our 10-year anniversary in Midland, and it was just incredible. Uh, you guys on a Sunday morning had Bethany. How many guys enjoyed Bethany uh, last week? Uh, they're still family, and so it was good to have them back. But then they came on to uh, Midland and, and was with us there. Uh, some of you may know this name and have been here. How many guys were here when uh, Callie Halligenthal was here and led us in worship? Uh, love her. Well, I hope you love her because she's our new worship pastor. And so, uh, yeah, so we have been in kind of, you know, in our, we'll call it the post-Bethany era. Um, and so ever since Bethany decided to move to uh, Denver and really just got some things on her heart, her and Chris, some things on their heart to do, uh, which we just so love that. And 
Um, but we were just like, okay, Lord, what do you, what do you have next for us? And uh, if, you're, <laughs> if you're not careful, you can see someone like Bethany leaving, and you're like, the best is gone. It's all downhill from here, but uh, she's just so incredible. But the Lord is just so faithful, and there's just been conversations uh, where Callie and Andrew visited our Midland campus, and just, we didn't ask, we weren't trying to recruit her or anything, and just fell in love with the culture of our church in Midland, made a couple of comments, we spent, started spending some time with them, and had them back down a few weeks ago, some of y'all would have been here when she led here, and man, just the Lord began to do something pretty cool. So really amazing that the Lord's sending us some incredible uh, worship pastors. So pe- please pray for uh, just things to work out with their home. Y'all know how that gets when you're trying to move from across the country. Houses need to sell. Contracts need to be negotiated, all that good stuff. And so uh, just be praying for favor there. But excited to have Callie as a part of the team. But anyway, uh, today's message, um, it's going to be a little bit unique. Um, the, the, the title of today's message is An Appetite for Encounter. An Appetite for Encounter. Um, there have been three things that have impacted my life in the kingdom more than any other thing, uh, and they are in this order. Without question, number one, the thing that has impacted my life the most is the Word of God. And I think anytime you start building a life in the kingdom where the Word of God is not first place, uh, Houston, we have a problem. Uh, and, and I'll get into more of that in just a second. But the word of God was number one. The second one may surprise you. The second thing that's impacted my life the most in the kingdom is prophets and prophecy. And the third thing that has impacted my life is uh, supernatural encounters with God. Uh, as I said a while ago, the, the, the word of God has to be first. The word of God has to be the foundation for the life of every believer. John chapter one, verse one says, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. If you don't mind just repeating that with me. The word was God. Just one more time. The word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In in him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did comprehend it. It's extremely important that you have that phrase built into your your psyche, into your mind, if you will. The Word is God. And what I love about the fact that the Word is God is the fact that it's black and white. Now, coming from a black and white person, I appreciate this maybe more than than some. Uh, if If you know much about redemptive gifts, you would know Uh, It's a big part of my life. I love studying redemptive gifts. Romans chapter 12, the first of the redemptive gifts in Romans chapter 12, there's seven, uh, is the redemptive gift prophet. The redemptive gift prophet has um, uh, a very black and white personality. And what's interesting is, is you you can stack or line up the seven redemptive gifts with other lists of seven. For the sake of time, I'll just start with seven days of creation. Uh, On the first day of creation, the first day of creation aligns with the redemptive gift prophet, which aligns with black and white. And the reason that's important is because it says, in the beginning, God, in the beginning, God said, let there be light. It wasn't light as we're thinking light. That word is actually translated order. God builds everything with clear-cut, black and white instructions. He, that's, that's how he chose to build. It's not how I choose. To, well, it is how I choose to build, but I'm, it, it's not just because it's what I like. It's because that's how he builds. And so what I love about the Word of God is it's never going to change. It's never going to change. God is never going to change his perspective on marriage. It's never going to change. 
I don't care what culture says. I don't care what schools say. I don't care what higher education says. The word of God doesn't change as it pertains to marriage. The word of God does not change per- pertaining sexuality. He, God is not sitting there with, with, a, with an eraser thinking, I wonder how I can you know, make some changes to this word. I mean, because surely after all of this time, there's some improvements that could be made upon Scripture. The answer is, no, there cannot be. <laughs> because in the beginning, the word was with God. The word was God. The, and because God is perfect, guess what else? The word is perfect. It's not changing. The word of God is not changing as it pertains to the killing of innocent babies, also known as abortion. The problem comes in is when as believers, one, we don't have the courage to say, I'm sorry, I know your particular story is a sad one, and it's a difficult one to understand how to navigate you through this. But I can't change the word of God so that I can show you love. What we have to ask for is with tears. And if you really have this revelation of speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in love, with tears streaming down your face when you're with a mom who doesn't know what to do with this pregnancy, you will plead for the wisdom of God to navigate her through the truth, not change the truth so that she will feel like you love her. That's what we need. We need the wisdom of God to navigate the black and white truth of Scripture so that it's not minimized and the power of the, of the word is not diminished. There is no power in God without the word of God. I can sit there and say, well, I just believe, I just believe, well, I just believe, and I just believe. Unless you can say, I believe because the word says, I don't care what you believe and neither should you. Well, I just think, well, I just think, there's, there's just no way. We say all these things, right? Well, I just believe this. Based on what scripture? Well, I, I, you know, we can go down the line, and I don't have time to get, well, I kind of feel like I've already kind of gotten into it now, but um, <laughs> the Word of God is very clear and has plan, a plan for your life in every single area. There's a plan of God for your money, and, and you can, and I've watched people wrestle because they don't, you know what's great? The tithe is not gray, because you know what tithe means? It means 10%. It's math, not art. And, and some people, they, just be honest, with who hated math? Just, uh, just hated math. Same people raised their hand, you bet you loved art, maybe even history, things that were just, you know, something like, you know, it, it maybe it's, I got to think of a better word for some of the men who don't want to admit they like art. You like building stuff, you like doing stuff with your hands, you like creating something, come on now. Art, and art is gray. You can paint something and say, that is beautiful. When others, somebody else may say, that's a blob of black paint. But what I love about the tithe is it is math, it is black, and it's white, and it's in the Scripture. So you can, and I've watched people do this, and I, it, it frustrates me because I know how much it's hurting them. And they say things like, well, I just don't believe that the tithe is in the new, that, the, that's Old Testament. First of all, it's actually not. It was before, the tithe was even before the Old Covenant. So just erase that from your thinking. Right now, remember this. The tithe was before the law. It was before the law. In the Garden of Eden, there was a, 
a separated thing called the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Even in the perfect environment, before there was a law, before there was a Bible, before there was anything else, there was a tree and the Lord said, I've given you a ton, but I want you to separate one thing back to me. There was a tithe in the garden. What did he say? Don't consume it. What did he tell us about the tithe? Don't consume it. And what I love about this is I'm, I'm okay with wrestling for, um, for wrestling for the heart of God and say, okay, well, he, he clearly doesn't need my money. What is it? Because some people say, well, I don't tithe. Now, it's not like God needs my money anyway. As if the tithe is for him. The tithe is for you. It's for you. Because when you separate, when you separate, that, separate that thing, what happened in the garden when they didn't touch the tree? They got to enjoy the rest. What happened when they touched it? When they consumed it, they lost it. His plan, God is so, he's such, so brilliant. He's, so, he's omniscient. And it's like he's created a system that keeps us in contact with him. And we can argue, we can debate, but at the end of the day, you need, if it was so clear and so certain that God didn't want us to tithe anymore, give me one scripture that says you should not tithe. Because I can give you one where Jesus himself said, you should tithe. So then, where is the wrestle? Faith. Well, right now, you, you, if you understand my situation, I, I really, really want to tithe. I really do. But right now, our situation is just, I, I believe, first of all, I want you to know, I actually believe you. If you're in that situation, I believe you. I don't disbelieve that you have a situation, that you have created a financial situation where it'll be extremely difficult on you to tithe. But I'm encouraging you, I'm encouraging you to believe in Jehovah Jireh, God your provider, more than your situation. Where you say, Lord, this isn't going to make sense, but I believe your word over what I believe about my situation. That is the life of faith. It's these black and white things. That's why I love the word of God so much. Um, man, I got, spent way too much time on that. Um, Second thing uh, that's impacted my life more than anything is prophets and prophecy. Uh, for some, that might be like, wow, that's a very, uh, it sounds crazy, sounds like a, a very interesting thing to be listed number two. Just remember this, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, on the Sermon on the Mount, one of the things that Jesus said is he said, I came to, I didn't, don't think that I came to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill it. He said, I came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Jesus' mission was to get fully behind the written word of God, which we just talked about, and the spoken word of God. In, this, in the scripture, there's three lists of gifts. We've already touched on this a little bit. Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians chapter 4. The Father gifts, the Son gifts, the Holy Spirit gifts. Only one of these, one word is listed in all three, prophets and prophecy. Then in Romans, sorry, Romans, 1 Corinthians 12, when it says desire the gifts, you know which one it says we should desire more than all of them? Prophecy. So there's, there's precedent, there's scriptural precedent for how significant prophets and prophecy are. Even if you go back to the Old Testament before there were apostles, who were the spokespeople for God? They were known as, back in the Old Testament, it, let me say it this way. In America, it's really common to call someone a pastor. It's pastor so-and-so, pastor so-and-so. We don't, it doesn't bother us to say. Now, if it gets a little weirder and we say, that's old apostle so-and-so. It's like, I don't know how I feel about that one. Or that's evangelist or you know, whatever, you know. Pastor's normal. You know what was the most normal in the Old Testament? Prophet. Prophet. And so I, I can tell you that my life has been impacted uh, significantly uh, in the area of prophets. The Bible says, believe the prophets, so shall you 
prosper. Your prosperity may be attached to how much you believe in or don't believe in prophets and prophecy. So it's important that you get around it. You would know this if you've come to church here for very long. We do our best to expose you to prophets, to expose you to prophecy, and not just expose you to it, invite you into it. It's not some, now, fivefold office prophets is, is different, but prophecy is not an exclusive club. Prophecy. The Bible says that all of us should desire prophecy. A good father wouldn't ask his kid to desire something only to never give it to him. You not having the gift to prophesy is like the Lord, is like the God the Father himself coming to you every single year and say, hey, what do you want for Christmas? And you telling him and him going, psych, you ain't getting that. It's not the nature of God to tell you to desire something without any intention whatsoever of giving it to you. It's not his nature. Now, is it possible that you've seen some weird stuff that's got you a little standoffish? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Been there. <laughs> Been there. But it doesn't change the Scripture. It doesn't change that. And so, uh, obviously, the Word of God, prophets and prophecy. But today I want to talk to you a little bit about supernatural encounters. I, um, I, I've, you can imagine you can't go to Webster's Dictionary and find a definition for supernatural encounter that's of much use. But uh, I was just on the good old interweb and uh, looking for something that made, made sense to me. And I found this definition, actually, of, of supernatural encounter. I'll read that, but then I want to read one that I just felt like the Lord told me just to add to it, the, the Braden International Version. Um, uh, supernatural encounter is a specific experience in which God acts unexpectedly and supernaturally in our relationship with him. A specific experience in which God acts unexpectedly and supernaturally in our relationship with him. And I felt like the Lord spoke to me this morning uh, to add part two to this. When God gets really close. When God gets really close. One of the, I, I want to try to help you understand kind of my journey with, with supernatural encounters with God. Uh, but I, the, one of the best ways I can think of at this moment to, to explain it, especially as it's September and we have a north wind and deer season is coming, uh, I just feel like the best way to explain this is with a little hunting story. Um, and if you're, I mean, if you're not a fan of hunting, I, that's okay. There's lots of other good churches in Lubbock, and um, I'm sure they'll be glad to have you. But um, no, seriously, I, I remember as a kid growing up, I had gone hunting with my dad and had even killed a couple of deer at this point in my life. But there came a point when in October, Dad would, would bow hunt, and the kids stayed home. We had a little piece of family land in, in central Texas. And so there was always this one month that Dad, was, Dad would get to hunt, but we wouldn't because uh, we couldn't pull a bow back or we weren't bow hunters at the time. And so, but I just remember the very first time that I told my dad, I was like, hey, I want, I want to I go bow hunting. I want to do this. And he's like, it's really hard. It's much more difficult. Uh, and I was like, I, I don't care. I want to do it. And so he said, well, uh, this year what I'll let you do is I'll let you sit in a tree stand and just experience this. And if you're unfamiliar with the difference between using a firearm versus using archery equipment, uh, you can shoot a deer, especially these days, I mean, half a mile away. I mean, you, you're, there's really no close contact if you don't want there to be. But archery, you have to be much closer. And so I remember as a 12-year-old, as how old I was, I remember it being 12 years old and um, sitting in a tree for the first time and having to be perfectly still and watching all these animals around me. And I just remember thinking, like, this is the greatest thing 
that I've ever seen in my entire life. I want to do this for the rest of my life. I was just, I mean, just so gripped with these wild animals that I knew to be so skittish, being so close to me. And, uh, and surely, at 12, sure enough, at 12 years old, I made the decision, I am never rifle hunting again the rest of my life. This is what I want to do. And, and, if, and if I could just say this, when you're, when you're rifle hunting, the action is happening far from you. Everything's happening. You, you don't have, I mean, if, you've, if you are a rifle hunter or if you've heard of people from Texas talk about their hunting experience, you may have heard them say about, well, they took their heater and their canteen and some oatmeal cream pies and went and sat in a mini house while hundreds of yards away, a little feeder dropped corn and the deer ran out and they shot it, sipped some more coffee, ate another oatmeal cream pie. And you're like, I'm not sure that that's what hunting is, like if that's what you had in mind. Archery hunting is completely different. You have to be much more still. Scent matters more. Everything matters more. Firearms, it's happening far from you. Archery is happening very close to you. If you've ever met someone who's encountered that, that closeness, you would know that they almost don't want to ever go back to the other. I would propose to you that American Christianity is like rifle hunting. Most of it happens from a distance. We know him from a distance. We know about him. We know what our grandmothers have taught us, our grandpas have taught us. We know what our moms and dads have taught us. But if we would be really, really honest, most Americans have never had an encounter with God that so gripped them that they had an appetite for nothing else. They go to church because they're supposed to, not because they can't not. And, and, and I'll just say it a different way. They don't just go to church either. American Christianity is off, it would be equivalent to, to someone who says, I only eat a meal on Sundays. I'm getting quiet in this Baptist church. We get, get Baptist or somewhere. I love Baptists. I, I grew up in a, in a, in a word church, man. I, we, we believed the word. We knew the word. We, we learned the word. And, and I understood it. And it's, if, I'm, if I'm just being really honest with you, the other kinds of churches were weird to me. And, we, and don't get me wrong. We had some people in our church that were weird. Um, we had a lady. This is so terrible. But the kids, we called her Psycho Sally. I mean, her name actually was Sally. And I just remember for a various number of reasons, I'm just like, this lady's crazy. And we just, I mean, when you're in a small town, small church, and you got people that are just trying to figure out some things, things just get weird. Anybody else been to a weird church before, you know? Put your hand down if you're thinking about this one. I don't really, I don't need that right now. But I grew up in a word church, but this concept of encounters with God just was not a, it was just not a thing. Not to mention the way I was wired. I was more wired, uh, redemptive gift prophet, black and white, the word of God, some, some, thing, some things that are more concrete, which I also believe is why encounters with God have impacted me the way that they have because they were so unexpected. For black and white intellectual A to B thinkers, encounters with God are often not what we desire. We often desire more clarity about the blueprint. <laughs> that's typically what we desire. But there are other gifts and people out there that's like, yeah, that's great. I just want to know that it's real. <laughs> I just want to feel that it's real. And the only way I'm really going to know it is if I feel it, if I see it, if I taste it, if I can touch it. And I, and I genuinely believe that that's a, a, a part of the, the divine design of God. I remember my first encounter with God, what I would call my first supernatural encounter, uh, where God showed up in an unexpected and supernatural way. I got invited to a service where um, a friend of mine said, hey, you've got to come see this guy. His name was Tim Story. 
And he said, you got to come see this guy. This guy's crazy. He does all kinds of crazy stuff. You just, you've got to see this guy. And so I, it was Leveland, I think, is where it was, Mom. I, I went to Leveland, Texas to see with a friend of mine. Uh, and I was 23 or 4 years old, so it wasn't like I was super young. I was serving God. I was in ministry. But um, long story short, we go, and this guy, is a, he was a guest speaker, and he, uh, he says, we're going we're gonna to preach for a little bit, but then we're gonna, the Lord's going to have me deal with some and I want to say he has said knees and backs tonight. We're going to deal with knees and backs tonight. I was like, oh, okay. Uh, knees are good. Back's good. I can just listen and enjoy the show. You know? And um, so he, sure enough, he preached for about 20 minutes. And then he said, okay, we're going to pray for some people. And then he started kind of doing some prophetic stuff. And he said, hey, uh, somewhere over in this section here, you're wearing a this, this, this. And he calls them up. And he says some things. And he says, I'm going to pray for you. And he, he, would, he kept doing this. He kept going. And he'd make that sound. And he would, I mean, wherever they were, just whop. I mean, just flat on their back. And I'm like, man, this dude's packing some heat in that little whisper of his. And, <laughs> and I'd seen some of this stuff before, but not really, like I said, it wasn't really my thing. And so um, I shouldn't say it wasn't my thing. It wasn't something I desired at that point. And so, but I mean, I, I remember watching, um, he called this one lady for and he goes, hey, the, the lady back, the Lord's going to heal your knee. Come to the front. And so she kind of gets up. She was a shorter lady, had a long dress on. And so she just kind of starts walking to the front. And uh, he s- turns to her and he says, now I'm going to tell you right now, uh, ma'am, if the Lord told me he was fixing to heal my knee, I'd run. And the, and the lady was just like, oh, well, I guess I better run. And so she kind of, and I mean, she wasn't like an athletic looking person, really, to be honest with you. And so, so she kind of started, started running. And she gets about, I don't know, 15, 20 feet to his right. And she's kind of jogging up there. He goes, Phew. and it's like an angel clotheslined her. And I mean, <laughs> She, she's running, and feet kept moving, and then she kind of just bounced to a stop. I mean, and, I, and, of course, the whole crowd just gasped because, I mean, it, no one was there, and you, you couldn't make this stuff up. And everybody gasped, and I remember him saying something to the effect of, like, hey, everybody calm down. If the Lord can do that, he can, he can take care of that. And I'm like, well, he needs to heal her neck now because she's got whiplash, you know. But I just I remember that so vividly, and... Um, but I had, I, what I remember is, you know, before I, I bypassed a piece of information, they actually introduced me at the first of the service. I was the youth pastor for my parents' church, and they had a front row that was reserved for any, if you were in ministry, full-time ministry, you could come sit on the front row at this church. And so before the service started, they introduced everyone that was there. So he, the guest speaker had heard my name. And at the time, we were going to Cowboy Church of the American West, which is a mouthful, but it's, it was what our church was called. And uh, so we were going to this Cowboy Church. And so, I mean, you don't forget that. And so it, the, the night goes on. I'm just blown away. I'm watching all this, and I'm like, this, this feels right. This feels real. And so he's fixing to finish his, his talk, and he says, oh, uh, and I think the other the pastor had already come up on stage, and he goes, oh, hang on, one more thing. I, I need to deal with one more thing. He goes, I need the young man from the cowboy church to come up here. And I was like, oh, crap. And so he, I walk up to the front. Now, rewind about two weeks. There was a, a, a guest minister in town with my mom and dad, and he were, we were sitting at y'all's kitchen table, and he said, he said what, you know, what do you feel like your gifting is? Or you feel like you're called to the fivefold ministry? And I had said a couple things, and he said, nah, that's not it. And I said, well, I feel like I'm a teacher. He's like, no, that's not it. And, it, and I said, well, I, I, see, I see things in black and white. And he goes, that's not a teacher. He said, I think you're, I think you're a prophet. And at the time, I thought fivefold office prophet. And I'm like, well, I don't, that did not bear any witness. He goes, no, nah, I think the Lord called, has called you to, the, to, a pro, to be a prophet. 
because that's why you see things in black and white. And I didn't listen to a word he said, and, which was terrible because he was a really smart Bible teacher. But I just, for whatever reason, I'm just like, I'd stuck in my head, like prophet meant a certain thing and I did not want to be one. And so uh, the guy says, I need the young man, fast forward to the service. The guy says, I need the young man from the cowboy church to come up here. He said that the Lord wanted me to tell you that uh, you have a prophetic call on your life and that's why you see things in black and white. And the Lord's gonna use that gift on your life to actually help people. And, he, and I, was, I was just stunned. I was just like, he was there. He was listening, you know. And so he said, now I want you to lay back on purpose. Exactly, Nick. I was like, hmm. And it was like, I didn't get clotheslined. I didn't get the, you know, the angel suplex or anything like that. I'm like, he just says, lay back on purpose. And so I was just, I mean, he had just read my mail. I mean, I could not believe he had just said those words after I just had that conversation with this other guy. And he says, um, lay back on purpose. So I did what you probably would have done. I'm like, you wouldn't have had the faith just to close your eyes and just go. You, you need someone to be there. Y'all, been, y'all know what catchers are, right? You need catchers, you know. And so I just kind of, I guess we're going. And I made sure some guys are back there. And they're kind of looking at me like, I guess, you know. So I just fall back, and they catch me. And I kid you not, when my back hit the ground, I started weeping uncontrollably and shaking, just convulsing. I mean, I just fell apart. I had, and I, don't, I can't give you reason or much more language other than the, the Lord encountered me in a way that I was very much not expecting. Very much not expecting. And... Um, I don't know, I was probably, and then the service ends and everybody's leaving and I'm laying there still flopping like a fish. And, um, which to be honest with you is a little bit embarrassing. It's just, you just gotta be honest with yourself sometimes. You're like, I want an encounter with God as long as it's not like that, you know. And um, man, I, I was just so shook. And of course, to be honest with you, I, when I kind of came to and got up and my buddy's kind of looking at me like, and I just remember feeling like, man, I, Lord, we need to talk about this because this does not fit inside any paradigm. Any paradigm that I had, it didn't fit into you know, my desires. But what I could not admit or could not deny was that I had just encountered something that was incredible. And if I could get over the fear of man and the fear of what I look like and get over the fear of not understanding what had just happened, I freaking loved it. I loved it. I, it, it, it was unexpected. It was unexplained. It was even undesired. And what, one of the things that I've learned about God is that oftentimes, I shouldn't say often, sometimes he will show up in a way that's unexpected and even undesired if he has to to get your attention. I, I only have a few, I, I, I've spent too much time on some other stuff, but I, I only have a a few minutes to get to some of this because one, if I'm just being really honest with you, my heart's desire in, in even talking around this subject is because one of the things that I know is the word encounter is a common word amongst, I know the leadership of this church and even a lot of you. But one of the things that happened in my life when we started Renew Life Church is I just, this overwhelming desire to bring more people with us was born in me. I didn't like the fact that to come to certain churches, you had to have a certain level of understanding. You had to understand what certain words meant. You had to look a certain way, dress a certain way, believe a certain way. You know, there were times where you, if you did not believe in, or maybe you did not speak in tongues, you may not feel welcome at a church that I came to at one point. And I just, I remember when we started Renew Life Church, because of what was going on in my own life, 
I just remember thinking like, you know, I think people, if you just show them the scripture, I think if you just really teach them the Bible and erase some of the goofy words and maybe, because if you remember this, Jesus had a reputation for being friends with sinners. So so try to wrap your head around this. We're talking about the the God-man in his perfection had the wisdom and had a way of doing life that his close many of his friends didn't even believe like him. Yet they're not believing like him or whatever they were involved with did not in one way, shape, or form affect his holiness. That's, a, that's an oxymoron in this culture. Because oftentimes people that, are, that live so consecrated, so to speak, they have no cultural engagement and they have no influence in the world around them. The Bible says we're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. The, the Lord wants to deal with something right here. There are some parents in here that you're so full of fear that the world's going to get in your kid, you keep them out of the world. I propose to you, the world is not more powerful than the Word. And it, there, there will be moments of time with fear and trembling. You have to send your kids into the world into public school, into the grocery store. I mean, like little things. I know people that wouldn't dare think of sending their, own, their kid, their teenager, into Walmart by themselves. Which, by the way, ing. That's why we have tongues. You know? my, my point is we've got to get to the point where we're actually teaching our kids that, hey, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And we have to make this so attractive that this doesn't look nearly as attractive. It's like parenting teenagers through relationships. Like I remember I failed so miserably at this early on with my girls because I was just like, I knew boys and I had girls, pretty ones. And I I just, I remember just early on, I just did not handle this the right, I just did not handle it the right way. Because, and part of the problem is as, as Christians, we're not, we don't, want the, we don't want the world teaching them the world's version of sexuality. But the problem is we're not teaching them the Bible's version. <laughs> and we have parents that are so mortified, dads, so mortified to talk to their kids about these things. I was, one of the joys of my heart and, and the, maybe the signpost that, okay, I'm, we're, we're on the right track. We're getting some things right. Like just, this happened just yesterday. Susanna called me. She's sitting in her dorm room and she's letting me know about the most recent guys. She's like, bro, we found, we got, the, they're called them the Benzes. And apparently there's two boys named Benz and they're both good looking. The Benzes. <laughs> and so she's telling me and she's like, yeah, and then there's this one soccer player. Apparently he's trying to hook up, but then I got some word that he's not. So I stayed away from him, yada, yada, yada. And she's telling me all this. Listen, she's telling me all this. I'll one up it, and this is not a, this is a little bit of a flex, but I'm as, as humbly as I know how to do it. While on speakerphone with her roommates, she goes, "Hey, just so you know, my roommates are listening." I was like, "Great, we can, we can all talk about this," you know. Plus, I was also trying to get her out of. She's falling in love with Trader Joe's, and that's such a. We are H E B people. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But here, here's, here's, the, here's the point I'm making. We, I, I've made big mistakes early on with my kids, but I realize I have to teach my kids everything that God has for them because if I'll actually teach it the right way, they won't want this. 
But if I'm so afraid to talk about it, and if I don't, just because I'm a guy and I'm having to work through the emotions of talking to girls, I didn't have sisters, all the things, like they won't talk to me. I had to work through those things. But we've made the things of God attractive. We've made it attractive where we can actually talk about these things. How, my, part of my desire is to, to teach the things of God and to, even this word encounter. I want you to hear that word and it not be weird to you. And if it's not weird, because here's what I learned from a pastor. Me and Keith had a pastor years ago that would tell us this and it was so true. Faith stops at the question mark. Faith stops at the question mark. And if when you hear if you're new here or if you were new here and you walked in and you hear a bunch of people say, oh man, I had an encounter with God, da, 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 and you're like, you had what? All of a sudden, faith stops because you don't understand. Because faith can only exist in the presence of the Word. Clarity around the Word of God. And what I have learned is one can put a thousand to flight. Two can put ten thousand. God doesn't just want a body of Christ that all know the same language. He wants us to teach the language to everybody we come in contact with. And so this idea of, of talking around in spiritual encounters just to say, hey, this is a, this is a thing. This is in Scripture. I mean, I, I can sit here and tell you, you know, I've had in, in, encounters with the person of God. I've literally had a visitation from the Lord. And you're like, man, that sounds crazy. Well, until you read Luke 24 and the story of the walk to Emmaus where Jesus actually showed up to disciples and ha- in if you want to say it this way, there was a spiritual encounter where the two disciples encountered God, but didn't just encounter, encounter Jesus, but didn't just encounter him, encountered him, and he blinded their eyes where they couldn't even see him for a while. And then after, as the story goes on, after he revealed himself to them, he, they said, should not we have known that that was him because of the way our hearts burned on the inside of us when he taught us the scriptures? You know what that means? They had encountered him before, and they should have recognized what they felt, not what they read. I should have recognized what I was feeling as he was reading. Too many people are afraid of an encounter because it's, you know, what do they call it, cessationism. It's like, oh, that's just all emotions. Guess who gave you emotions? Now, can your emotions tell you to do the wrong thing? Of course. Emotions can tell you to do the wrong thing. But can they confirm the right thing? Yes, they can. And that's what those disciples saw in that moment. They said, oh my gosh. We should have known, not because of the scriptures that he read, but how we felt when he read them. We should have known we had just had an encounter with the Lord. I've had encounters with the person of God. I've had encounters with the presence of God. Most of you would agree with me. I love worship because I think that's when I feel it the most. I feel the tangible presence of God the most. In worship, I've had encounters with the love of God, the power of God. I've, I've literally been in the back of the room. You probably heard me tell this story where I was just trying to get coffee in the middle of a prayer session. And a guy spoke a prophetic word over me. And it, the word, I know it's going to sound crazy. I'm just telling you it happened. Keith was there. He saw it. At like The word became like a meteor, shot across the room, hit me in the stomach. I threw coffee in the air. The next thing that happened, my forehead hit the ground, had a lump and a carpet burn on my head. There were no catchers that day. Actually, you were supposed to be the catcher. You, <laughs> I, I'm telling you these things have happened. I'm not, now, they don't happen often. They, those radical things, they don't happen often. But I just got to be honest with you. They keep me coming back for more. Something about an encounter. I get in the Word daily. I pray daily. There's a lot of things that I do daily. daily. But every now and then, I have an encounter 
that brings me back to the word at a, at a different level. That brings me back to prayer at a different level. That brings me back to spiritual family at a different level. I desire for you to want encounters. I, uh, cut, I'll close with this. A couple of weeks ago, I had the privilege of, uh, some of you would know this, but I've kind of got a new, new spiritual father in my life, Chris Fallaton. And it just, the Lord has just kind of brought me into the, into the family there. And it's just really incredible what he's been willing to do for us. And one of the things that's been on my heart is to invite other pastors that really don't belong to spiritual family into spiritual family. And so I've got pastors from all over the country that just, I, I would call them orphans almost. They've just kind of gotten lost. And, uh, and so Chris agreed to do a, a fly fishing retreat in Reading for us. And so we went and rented an Airbnb and we flew all these pastors in and, and just poured into them. Banning came uh, one day and poured into them, but we spent two days uh, with Chris pouring into our guys, prophesying over our guys, the guys. It was just really incredible. And, but the, the, one of the things that I also like to do is I like to treat them like king. I wanted to treat them like kings, and I wanted to cook them the best steak they had ever had in their entire life. And so uh, I, uh, I didn't have access to the meat company that I usually use in Midland, obviously in Reading. And so I called, and I said, hey, what's the best meat company? Best, where's the best meat in all this area? And they said, oh, you, you got to go to R&R. Aren't our meats? And so I was like, all right. So I called ahead and I said, hey, what's the best cut of steak you have? He said, well, we have this. It's a Wagyu Reserve. He's like, it's the nicest. There's Wagyu, but then there's Wagyu Reserve. And he said, I, I mean, it's, it's nice stuff. He said, he said, are you sure it's what you want? I said, it's exactly what I want. And so uh, anyway, 14 guys. So I said, I need 14 uh, inch and a half Wagyu Reserve ribeyes. And uh, so we go and I mean, just bear with me. I actually brought my own seasonings from home, like, because uh, Trader Joe's doesn't have what you need. And, um, and so I uh, brought my own seasonings, and I was so excited to cook this steak. And just if I'm just being really honest with you, we almost had a, a situation, because whoever used the grill the 50 times before me didn't clean it. So there was, had a little fire situation, had to improvise. But we, we, we made it work, and I just remember I, I slicing it. I had never had I'd never had Wagyu Reserve. I'd had Wagyu, but not like this. And so I, I remember slicing it up. And you know when you're the chef, you have to make sure that your customer's happy. So what do you have to do before you serve the food? You got to try it. And so I, I remember taking a bite of this, and I'm like, the Lord is going to show up tonight because of this steak right here, you know. And I just, I was like, gosh, that's so good. Anybody in here ever had uh, Wagyu Reserve? Anybody ever had that before? A couple, yeah, well, you were there. Uh, Raise your hand if you now want to have Wagyu Reserve ribeye. <laughs> Who's going to have steak for lunch today? Isn't it interesting that my story puts an appetite in you for something I've experienced? That is genuinely my heart. I'm not trying to tell you stories about me so you think, oh man, he's super spiritual. I'm trying to tell you, you can have a ribeye too. Ribeyes for everyone, even vegans. Well, they're not vegans anymore because they got saved, Blake and Vicky, but... Um, <laughs> I'm just on a roll right now. Seriously, though, I, I, I want you to, I want an appetite to be born and you birth in you where you say, okay, Lord, if there's more than just knowing the word, believing the word, and even following the word, if there's more to the story, I want in it. I want in. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.